Coming in as Loom. Hewitt-Dyke centered it. Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, this hour underway on a Thursday, July 6th. We welcome you to Winsport. That's where we're coming at you today. And we welcome you to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe even through employee turnover. Visit Calgary Lock and Safe. Yeah, Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson along with you on this Thursday. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts and live right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan will put out the call for the mailbag right now. If you're listening live, 960, 960, put your name on the text and uh, fire us off a question. Next uh, 30 minutes or so, we'll just dive in on our Flames Talk mailbag. We do this uh, once or twice a month, just like to... uh, get to as many questions as we possibly can and go all over the place. So we got a few already, but get more in at 960, the Flames Talk mailbag. We're about to dive in in just a second. Yeah, we're sitting here at Winsport. We're just in the middle of the cafeteria. We're not really in a – we don't have any banners up. We just – I've got a little box just set up. We're here for Flames Development Camp, which uh, day one is now in the books for all the players. Just hanging out at Winsport. You got people eating lunch over there and eating lunch over here. The Garden Cafe is open. And then this this these two millennial idiots yelling at each other and talking into headsets. We look like real cool whoa, whoa, humans whoa. right hey, now. Hang on. Are we really millennials? Oh, absolutely. Oh. Better than being a boomer. <laughs> I'm just I'm just kidding. We I'm just kidding. We should have brought just We should have like brought a picnic or something. Could have been special. Could have been cute. Yeah. yeah. Romantic, intimate. That would yeah. have been good. It's very quiet in this uh, quaint. cafeteria yeah, area. It's quaint. Right now. Very quaint. Um, hey, 960-960 is your text line. Very easy to dive into. Uh, and lots of things that we can talk about as we jump right into the Flamestock mailbag. You ready to go? Because uh, we're not really going to have – it's a little bit more freeform. We go all over the place on the mailbag. So you ready to rock? You did the first ever one. So yeah. you're, a, you're a veteran at this. So you ready to rock? I am ready. Open up that mailbag. All right, let's go. Danny and YYC, uh, you're starting us off. Uh, I'm a big fan of Conroy, but he isn't the right guy to lead the Flames through this. Indecision and lack of action has seen the goalie market filled, rosters are being filled, and teams increasing don't have the room for our outgoing players. Wilf will have to be back in the A, further sowing discontent at the lack of opportunity, much like Phillips. Sorry for being negative. That comes from Danny in YYC. And I guess the question I would have, Danny, is be as negative or, or positive as you would like. I just I, I wonder why you're already there. Like I we're it's July 6th, and I know the draft is done and I know free agency is open, but on July 6th of last year, or the equivalent, because things were bunched up and pushed back last year but at about this same time in the offseason last year the team looked completely different than it ended up the huberdo uh, huberdo Uyghur acquisitions had not been made cadre had not been signed i guess my point would be is that there's still a whole lot of time for craig conroy to shape this organization not just for the long term but to shape it even going into next season there's still a lot of time for some of these things to get done so i first of all knowing Knowing Craig pretty well, talking to Craig on and off, Mike, 
I, I don't think we're talking about a guy who's had a lot of indecision. I don't think we're talking about a guy who is deer in the headlights. I think we're talking about a guy who's got a lot in his plate and he's really trying to decisively, but pragmatically and patiently work through a lot of these things that they have in front of them. We are 44 days into Craig Con- Conroy's stint. That's as it, hey, not manager. even two months. Yeah, 44 days. So six six weeks and change. And and so while I can appreciate that some were hoping for some, some pretty rapid roster movement, I think any sort of declaration that Craig Conroy is not the right person for the job, that he's not cut out for the job, whatever it may be, I think, I, I just think it's wickedly premature and, and quite frankly, unfair. We're, we're 44 days into his stint as GM. We're not very long into an NHL offseason where we've seen things kind of slowed to a halt around the league in terms of player movement. You know, the Winnipeg Jets have all these guys that they would apparently like to move have moved one, but besides that, nothing. You know, the the Philadelphia Flyers have these players that they apparently like to move. They've moved one. The Calgary Flames moved one player. And so, and this isn't just me rushing to defense, I don't think, of Craig Connor. I just think we're way too soon for any sort of definitive commentary on how he's done the job or, or whether he can do the job. Yeah, I just think it's it's way too soon to be going there, and and I would even go one step further and say that I think potentially the worst thing Craig Conroy could have done as a rookie GM was to come in and make four franchise altering trades in his first three weeks on the job. Yep. And rush them just because he felt like he needed to make them. Yeah, yeah. I I would be I would be encouraged by the way Craig Conroy has handled the not the last six weeks. And, I, that, I and that's not me saying was it Danny? Sorry. Yeah, Danny. Yeah, that's not me saying that Danny can't be discouraged. I'd just be on the opposite side of it. And and I mean, I take a look even at the the one deal that he has made in trading Tyler to Foley and and kind of being forced into making that move. Not forced into it, but they felt like that was one that they should probably get done as soon as possible. I, I think they did a pretty good job on the Toffoli return, especially when you compare it to some of the other return for 30-plus wingers. What Taylor Hall got, what... Um, Kevin Hayes got and mm-hmm. giveaways, what, uh, both of them. What was the, now I'm, uh, and uh, Riley Smith. Those are the three that also got moved all around the same age. Right. And of all of them, the Flames got the most back for Toffoli, which they probably should have because he was the one guy coming off a career year. Although Riley Smith had a ton of cachet coming off of his Stanley Cup finals and, and, and postseason play. And, and he's a guy who's a very consistent player. I think Smith and Toffoli are essentially the same player in terms of what they were worth or what they could have gotten back. And I had the flames did pretty good in getting Sharon Govich in a third round pick. So I, I actually, it's very limited, but I think that the early work from Craig Conroy and the fact that we haven't seen him just dive headfirst into rushing these other decisions, I I'm encouraged about what I'm seeing early on. Yeah. You know, I've asked around a little bit about Yegor Sharon Govich at this point, And I think, combined with what we've seen out of him in the past, I, I think that's a an intriguing, I don't know if gamble's the right word, but, you know, I, I think that was an intriguing target for the Flames. I, you know, I, I like 
that bit of business, especially hearing over and over again that Tyler Foley's camp wanted a contract that would see him locked up through age 37 or 38, and that the number of millions was going to be well north of five on his next deal. Like we're we're talking about a range that they just couldn't go in, and, and so to, and a bridge that they couldn't gap. Right, and so to or a gap that they couldn't close. That sounds better. Yeah, you might have had bridge in the uh, wrong a gap the that they couldn't spot. a bridge they couldn't gap. That's uh, yeah. You know what? You're putting the horse in front of the cart. Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> the, it was a gap that they couldn't bridge. Yeah, you're right. Like they they were so far apart on what the Flames were thinking and what Toffoli was thinking that it led to uh, the the situation that it turned into. Yeah. So let's give Craig Conroy some benefit of the doubt for now. That you know he he has some big files on his desk and his job as general manager or or how you sort of judge his work as general manager there's going to be a lot to pour over whether it's extensions or trades there are some really really impactful decisions that have to come down the pipe but um too soon to go negative for me for sure uh let's see uh, dylan and revelstoke how much of the locker room issues from last year do you guys think was on the prior regime of Sutter and tree living and do you think if they started the year with basically the same team would they all get along or would they throw stuff at each other like cam and taylor um i i do think that the whole scenario with how things got more sour and more sour and more sour under Daryl Sutter. I I do think that that was kind of the catalyst of it. And I don't want to put this all on Daryl because it's not like that was happening the year before when they were the best team in the Western conference, the number two team in the West or whatever they ended up being that year. And, and so I say that because part of it was because they were also losing, but I do think that have their, I, I do think now that we know what we know, have there been a different voice as the head coach? I don't know if some of the stuff that ended up plaguing this team this year would have happened. And again, that's not all on Daryl because it takes more than just one person for that type of bad snowball to roll downhill. But I, I think it's fair to say that that played a, a pretty large part in it. Yeah, and I think in, in- – there's a part of this that is sort of out of Daryl's control. And that's that I think there were a couple factions on the team last year. Those who were still sort of trying to lead and, and I guess pass on Daryl's message and those who weren't buying into it. Mm -hmm. And and that's not on Daryl, but my understanding has always been that one of the locker room divisions was, you know, these guys are kind of bought in and these guys aren't. And again, that that's not Sutter's fault. That was something internally that I think the coaching change is going to automatically address as well. 96960 on the text line. Our Flames Talk mailbag is underway on this Thursday. This says, do you guys think the Flames want or should keep both of Lindholm and Backland? It probably doesn't make sense to keep both along with Kadri, which gives them an older, less competitive center depth for the next five plus years. They should keep one, but not both. Um, on that front, it it sounds like they probably won't. Um we don't know what Lindholm is going to decide, and that that remains a, a big 
pivot point for the Flames once they find out what Lindholm is thinking. But it sounds like, as of right now, Michael Backlund's leaning towards not being back. And I, I'm quite confident, based on what I know, that if he comes back this season, there's, there's not going to be any um, ill will. Like, it won't be acrimonious in any way, shape, or form. He'll be a pro. And, and if he walks away at the end of his contract, he walks away at the end of his contract. But uh, right now, the priority is, is definitely Lindholm. And we know there were trade discussions surrounding Backland in and around or at and around the NHL draft. So my guess is of those two, max one is with the group before the deadline. I, I Could they both be back to start next season? Maybe. But I think by deadline next season, at most, one is still here. Yeah, and I, I would just answer to the question, if there was one you know, guy in his mid-30s that you would be willing to keep, to me it is Michael Backlund. And sorry, that's not me saying that the other guys who will be in their mid-30s during their contracts should be goners, but... Um, you know, I, I think because of, of how entrenched Michael Backlund is in the organization and the community, if, if he has a, a change of heart, if he warms to the idea of playing his thousandth game in Calgary, I do think you could do that. I think if he'd be willing to sign a, a one or two year deal to make that happen, I, I certainly think you could. But yeah, Pat, you absolutely nailed it. I, I don't think that is a likely outcome. Uh, this from Kate in YYC. Pat and Wes, in your opinions, do you think this upcoming Flame season is worth being excited for, or do you think it'll be a year of growing pains? Well, honestly, I think that you could answer yes to both, in that there might be some growing pains this year, but for Flames fans, and there's a good chunk of them who have been clamoring for more youth, a younger roster, more opportunity for younger players, I think that'll be exciting even if there are growing pains. Now, everybody's different. You know, some people don't care about youth. Some fans really, really value that. Some fans only want a team that scores a lot or don't care about the way they play as long as they win more than they lose. You know, it all depends on on what your number one thing is. I mean, obviously, everybody wants their team to do well. I, I grant you that. But you know, some of the other things on top of that. Um, so I think... I think that there is some reason to be excited. And and the main reason I say that is because I, I, I think that having a younger roster, the opportunity for a full year of Jacob Pelche, an opportunity for a full year of Matt Coronado, we're all talking about how this is the deepest draft in, in years. A lot of those guys that uh, ended up going in the last deepest draft in years in 2003 were playing in the NHL very shortly after being drafted. So could Sam Hunzek be a guy that gets nine games and he gets an opportunity, then all of a sudden, nine games in, there's a decision to be made about whether or not he stays. I just, I think there are going to be some reasons to be excited on top of the fact that, you know, you're looking for them to bounce back and the vibes to be a whole lot more positive than they were last year. Yeah, the the reason to be excited is not the same as it was last September when it was holy jump and this team could win the conference and this team could be a championship contender that the Calgary flames are not going to go into this season with those sort of external expectations. Right. And if we're being honest, the internal expectation should not be there either. And, and so, yeah, I, I think the youth movement movement, I'm sorry, is the biggest reason for excitement, especially because it's being 
sprinkled in with some guys who've proven that they can be really good players in the NHL. This is this isn't a torn down to the studs. Oh well, at least we can watch the young guy situation. But you know, we're we're talking about a really legitimate chance that you're going to see Matt Coronado playing more often than not in the NHL this season. I believe that I still believe and I know you and I don't necessarily see eye to eye on this, but I still believe Dustin Wolf is going to spend the bulk of this season on an NHL roster. I think Calgary's NHL roster? Correct. Okay. We want to make sure that we're, we're going to be talking about young guys getting more opportunity. Jacob Pelche is not going to be sitting in the press box a whole lot this season. And I think, I think that should be exciting. I think it's exciting to watch. And one of the things that I said on July 1st at the Saddledome, because we heard Craig Conroy talking again about, you know, well, we want to give young guys a chance. This is the time of year that you don't just say that. Yeah. You prove it. And one of the things that happened on Canada Day when the Flames did nothing on the first day of free agency was he sort of put his money where his mouth was in that scenario. You know, I, I've talked a lot with pals about the Matthew Phillips situation. And, and one of the things I've said was, hey, guys, this was not just Daryl Sutter. Like, Matthew Phillips had a great season two years ago in the AHL. They signed Brett Ritchie three weeks before training camp last year, right? And so if you're going to give guys a shot, this is when you sort of prove it. Yeah. You have to leave those spots open. And so far, Craig Conroy's done it. There's going to be some enticing sort of bargain shopping out there. It's incumbent on him to ensure that he he does do that, that that he leaves some opportunity for those young guys. And in that case, I do think it will be exciting to watch. Uh, this one is, uh, you mentioned Dustin Wolf uh, from James. Pat and Wes, what are the teams that make sense for Dan Vladar now? Tampa, Vancouver, the market is obviously thinned after the UFA market. And it's very true. I mean, you take a look at what teams like there. Los Angeles has added. Ottawa has added. Um, New Jersey has added. Detroit has added. Uh, some of the teams that Winnipeg that you looked at and said, okay, well, that could be a really interesting landing spot for Dan Vladar. Um, I, I think that there are less of them. I, I do believe the Flames were pretty heavily, I don't, I don't want to say pretty heavily, but I, I do think they were they were chasing a deal or, or looking for a deal involving a goaltender, whether it was Vladar or Markstrom at the draft. I do believe that there, that there definitely was a push or an attempt during the draft to get something done. Obviously, nothing was done. Uh, earlier this week, one of the big topics was what happens if they can't find a sensible deal and they do have three goaltenders with the organization next year, or those three goaltenders, Vladar, Markstrom, and Wolf. And we've talked about what are some of the ways you can work around that. I still think there are two or three teams that could make sense. I wonder about Toronto for Vladar. Uh, I wonder still about New Jersey. Could they find something there? Um Tampa and Vancouver are interesting. Not quite sure what Vancouver is thinking, period, right now. Um, yeah, so so I, I still think that there is a chance. I just think that if it was, say, it was like a 50-50 chance prior to free agency, it feels like more like, you know, one in four chance or, or one in three chance that they are able to find a sensible trade partner and get the right type of return for Dan Vladar before the start of the season. Would you consider Winnipeg if they are successful in moving Connor Hellebuck to be an option? That would then open up another option, I think. Right now, they they signed uh, they signed Colin D'Elia, and they signed. I always get it wrong. How do you say it right? Is it Laurent Brassois? Laurent, no, I was thinking 
Oh, Delia. 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 Thank you. Yeah. I always get it wrong. And I know how to say it. I just never say it right. Hey, Colin Delia. You know what? Do July 1st and then, yeah, then go from there. You know what? I can get the one syllable words, but as soon as you go to <laughs> this language, man, it's yeah, my second it's language. It's tough. Uh, yeah, Colin Delia and Laurent Brassois have both signed in Winnipeg. So they've got a little bit of a glut right now. But yes, if they do end up moving Hellebuck, then all of a sudden I absolutely think that would open up another option. Yeah, We're going to talk Winnipeg a little bit later on this hour, in fact, with our buddy Hustler out in Winnipeg. We'll, we'll ask him about that situation. And Toronto is an interesting one because, you know, we know Bradshaw Living thinks very highly of Dan Vladar. He's obviously the guy who negotiated and signed his extension. Um, Samsonov elects for arbitration. I think everyone's pointed to Matt Murray as as the likely candidate to be gone or LTIR or whatever it is to make their salary cap issues work. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there there's less landing spots and, and less obvious landing spots than there were a few weeks ago. And if I had to bet, I'm not sure I, I necessarily see a trade happening, but I, I don't think. I think there's some doors open out there still. Uh, this from Nate in Lethbridge. What can Conroy do? The cap only went up $1 million. His hands are tied to clean up tree mess. I like the don't over overreact and make the moves when they come approach. But I do believe he's looking at making this team better every day. That comes from Nate in Lethbridge. This says... Um, Similar question, or can we jump in on that yeah, one? Yeah, quickly jump in on that one for uh, sure. You know, I, th- I think what he can do for starters is nail the Noah Hannafin trade. Yep. I, I think that, and maybe maybe it's not Noah Hannafin, although I sure think it is. You're going to move a defenseman before the season starts. And maybe more than one. And maybe more than one. And I really believe that Noah Hannafin has played his last game for the Calgary Flames. I but, do too. But you never know. So what he can do to answer that question first is nail that trade. That That's a really important return for the Calgary Flames. Whether that's guys who can maybe help right away, whether that's a first-round pick and, and, a, and an emerging player, as, as you suggested, that's going to be a really important one to get right. Craig Conroy's in a tough spot, but he can't, he can't botch these first couple trades that he makes on behalf of the Calgary Flames. I think he did a nice job on the first one this as he deals with this UFA class, there is pressure on him to get these moves right. I agree. And and I think I, I think that taking more of a slow play approach is the way to make sure or give yourself a better chance that you get them right. Uh, this says, why such a long wait for Lindholm to decide? How complicated could it be? Flames give the best offer. Lindy should know by now whether he's interested or not. I don't know. Like I, I don't think it's that simple. I put myself in a situation where I'm getting life-changing news. I don't usually just make the decision in the snap of a finger. I... I I, and I think other, I think everybody's different. I think there are clearly situations where it makes sense. Well, of course, I'm just going to resign here, but you don't know what direction the Flames are going. You don't know what the team is going to look like for the long term or the short term. And yeah, I, 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 I can understand why it's taking a little bit of time for him to mull this one over. Well, and I don't think that this decision is going to be motivated only by money but I will quibble with one part of that text and that's that the Flames made the best offer you know Elias Lindholm can only receive offers right now from the Calgary Flames 
there are projections, I'm sorry, that the salary cap is going to increase a schwack, which would potentially increase Elias Lindholm's value as an unrestricted free agent next summer. And so to to say that this is an easy decision because obviously this is the best offer he's going to get, we're not there. Now, do I think this is all a, a money negotiation at this point? No, my understanding is that th- this is more about Elias Lindholm determining where he wants to be playing till the end of 2033. Sounds if it's an eight year contract with the end of 2030. Yeah. 33. Yeah. yeah. Like that's a, that's, that's a massive yeah. decision for a guy with a, with a young family, obviously a, about a six month old at home, five month old. And so I, I just don't think that, and we talked about this in the first segment, you can go back to the podcast and, and listen to that part of it I, I just don't think that this is a guy who's dragging his feet on the Calgary Flames I don't think that's a fair way to put it uh get through as many of these as we can a little bit more rapid fire if we don't get to your text on the mailbag apologies a lot of them in and are uh, you telling me I need to be a little less verbose here not, not at all I oh, okay just, I looked at the time I'm like okay well let's let's uh, hit we'll, me, we'll hit go me through. with some yes or no's um I don't know how many of those <laughs> there are uh but yeah we'll uh, go through as many as we can here uh this from Pete in Montreal Conroy inherited this situation. Let's give him some time to evaluate. I believe Huberto is going to have a great comeback year. Uh, this from Tom and Cedar Bray. I'd argue they wouldn't be in this position uh, or even in the position they were in last season if they never had Daryl in the first place. From hearing Kachuk saying he was happy to have fun, it sounds like Daryl sucked the fun out. Winning wasn't even fun for that team from what it sounded like. Yeah, I think it's fair to say there was at times a, a real dark cloud over that room. And, yeah. and there, there's no doubt about so- Certainly this past season, although winning was a whole lot of fun for them the year before and they had the same head coach. But yeah, and we we don't need to dive fully back into this. This team needed a coaching change and now it is up to Jonathan Huberdeau and all the other guys to show why that was needed and to show that a lighter atmosphere around the rink can translate to more victories. Uh, this says, I believe that Craig, Con- Craig Conroy should not have hired Ryan Huska. Huska's a great guy, and I know they're friends, but the players wanted a coaching change. He should have just cleared house of all the coaching staff. I believe if they would have done that, not as many players would have wanted to leave. I don't buy that. I, I know how well-respected Ryan Huska is from a lot of guys inside that room, and I also know that he's got a very different approach to things than Daryl Sutter does. So I, I, I I don't think that that would have made a difference in terms of guys wanted to be here, not wanted to be here. I think they made the right call. I like the call they made on um, on hiring Ryan Huska as coach. Yeah, I, I think these decisions on whether these players are going to stay or go are going to hinge more on A, whether the team can be competitive and contend, and B, how each specific player feels about the city and just calling Calgary home for however many more years. And and I don't think that the staff, and I would say that about Craig Conroy and Ryan Husk, I, I don't think that the staff is a huge consideration for these guys. I, you know, I, I don't think it hurts that those are the guys, but I, I don't think that those are game changers in, in the way that these guys think about their future. 
Uh, and finally, this says, uh, I'll, I'll read two to wrap it up. This says, how do we know they're not shopping Wolf? Why not shop him? Would he not fetch a greater return with the potential upside related to what he's done in the AHL? And then this one, just because I'm trying to really get under Wes's skin, uh, Wolf is not ready for the NHL. Give him another full season in the AHL. Let him be dominant and build that confidence. So there's one that says trade Wolf or it, shop Wolf, and the other says another full season in the American Hockey League. Are there names on that? I need to know who I'm arguing with here. Uh, no, there's not names on either of those. So I, Bill, I, Billy and uh, Zane. Okay, Billy and Zane. You guys listen up here for a second. I, I get where they're coming from. I don't know what another season in the AHL is going to show you about Dustin Wolf. Like what? One need, of them was a Chad. So you, Chad, we know. Do you need his save percentage to get to 950 before you give him a chance? Do you need him to be the three-time goalie of the year in the AHL? Do you need him to win more than 75% of his starts in the minors? I don't know what Dustin Wolf can do in the minors at this point to change anything. And just because I think there's a lot of teams that aren't totally sure of, of his upside, I'm not sure the trade value is as high as you might think it would be. I, I think I think he has more value as a Calgary Flame than elsewhere. Another edition of your Flames Talk mailbag in by the, the way, book. By the way, Billy and Zane, I, I still love you both. One of them was actually named Chad, so we know that. So oh, it was Chad and Zane. Chad fair enough. Uh, we're here at Winsport hanging out for Flames Development Camp. That's what's, uh, that's where we're coming from on this Thursday edition of Flames Talk. Wes and Pat, and of course, everything all emanates back downtown in our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite. NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, this hour continues on a Thursday. We know how busy an offseason it's been for the Calgary Flames. And, you know, there's some... uh there's some other teams in the Western Conference that are having big-time transitional years as well. And one of them, in fact, the one that comes to mind more than any of the other teams outside of the Flames is a couple provinces to the east and the Winnipeg Jets. They've already made a significant deal with the LA Kings, sending Pierre-Luc Dubois to Los Angeles. But what else might be coming in Winnipeg? When we talk Jets, we talk to our buddy Andrew Patterson. Hustler joins us from Winnipeg sports talk in winnipeg right now Huss, what's going on it's good to have you back on brother what's uh what's going patrick, on my friend good to patrick great to talk to you and uh, it was great to see you in nashville yeah it's uh no uh, no dull moments around the winnipeg jets this offseason that's for sure no kidding i'm glad that uh were you were you in nashville when the dubois trade got made or were you still doing the show back from home base no, we were uh, we were in Nashville, and we uh, we we went there on on Sunday, so we were ready to go on Monday, um, knowing that it could be, I mean, possibly the most noteworthy or newsworthy really week in uh, Jets 2.0 history. And uh, 
know, I guess that's maybe remains to be seen. And obviously, Hellebuck and Shifley are still Winnipeg Jets, but um, we were there, and it was uh, not surprisingly, it was the biggest episode of Winnipeg Sports Talk ever since we launched over two years ago. Really? So that was that that because you had some other big moments, but that was the number one, hey? Yeah, I mean this saga. I mean, I joke that Remus, my partner, and I should send a, uh, I don't know, maybe a wine and cheese tray to Pat Brisson or something like that. Because, I mean, ever since he uh, made those comments last summer about PLD would like to play in Montreal sometime, it's basically been a simmering topic here in Winnipeg over the future of Pierre-Luc Dubois. And listen, I mean, the team, I don't need to tell Calgary Flames fans what this is like. The team did everything they could to uh, hopefully sign their player. Um, but it wasn't going to happen. And at that point, you know, he needed to realize some sort of return for an asset that had one more year on the clock before he would have walked uh, as an unrestricted free agent. And, you know, I got to give Kevin Day off some credit. He's taken some heat in this market for a number of things, but this was not an easy situation to, uh, to navigate. And while everyone was expecting that it was going to be the Montreal Canadiens and the Montreal Canadiens only, and the Jets were going to have to take 50 cents on the dollar. He uh, ended up working with Brisson to uh, get at least a couple of other teams that Dubois would be willing to sign long-term, um, and then make a deal that uh, overall has been pretty well-received for uh, for at least fans here in Winnipeg. And, uh, you know, you get a player like Gabe Velarde coming off a 23-goal season, really a breakout year for a former first-rounder, a very capable player in Alex Iafalo, and, you know, a, a first rounder in Rasmus Kapari that hasn't quite popped at the NHL level yet. And uh, I think, oh, oh, and not to mention the second round pick that was uh, belonging to the Montreal Canadiens next year, which fans really did enjoy. Um, I think they came out of it quite well, um, you know, considering someone had his back against the wall. But uh, Chevy sort of turned into a bit of an escape artist over the last few years. And, uh, um, you know, I think overall put the team in a pretty good position considering where they were. And um, now I guess the big question is, uh, are there more moves to come before we get to training camp now that the draft is over and the time that most of the deals are usually made? Well, that's my that that would be the next question is, is that is the PLD trade just the the first of a number of significant moves that Shevel Dayoff and the Jets make? And I know we don't know the answer to that question, but in your opinion, what do we see for the rest of this summer? Well, put it this way. I think the Winnipeg Jets would like to make at least one more significant trade. I think what held it back is, frankly, the market right now. Um, You know, it's two very different situations between Hellebuck and Shifley. Hellebuck, I believe, has told the team that he doesn't. And again, things can change. But, you know, a month, month and a half ago, told the Winnipeg Jets that he did not intend on signing his next contract in uh, in Winnipeg. And I think at that point, everyone assumed that, you know, Hellebuck would be traded and some team would pony up and give him his big money extension that he certainly earned. Um, and there'd be a similar deal to the one that happened with Dubois. Problem is uh, a couple fold for, uh, for Helly is that um, first of all, Aiden Hill came off the bench and went and won the Stanley cup for the Vegas golden Knights. And I yes. think that really depressed the elite goaltending market. Uh, and then the other thing is that Sorokin, who was one of the only two goalies to get more Vesna votes than Hellebuck did last year, at 26 years old, signed an eight-year extension at $8.25 million with the New York Islanders. 
So the market for the contract seemingly was deflated a little bit. Uh, and I'm not sure that there really was many suitors that were willing to both pay the Jets' asking price as well as sign Hellebach to a seven- or eight-year extension in around $9 million. So that situation's somewhat in a holding pattern right now. And they did bring back Loren Brassois from uh, Vegas, who um, you know formed a great tandem with Hellebach a couple of years ago. They're very good friends. Uh, this is something that... I think the way things are right now, I could certainly see Hellebuck coming back next year because the Jets aren't okay. going to trade him just for the sake of trading him at this point. Now, what does that mean for the season? I mean, can you possibly trade a guy like that at the deadline if you're still in it? I guess it remains to be seen. The other one is Mark Shifley, and Shifley's a very different situation. I mean, I think all things being equal, if Hellebuck was willing to re-sign here, they'd do that. I mean, I don't think the Jets want to be in the in the business of always trading their best player and Hellebuck is their best player. Mark Shifley is different. Um, You know, obviously they bought out Blake Wheeler. Um, Wheeler had 55 points last year. I mean, they were not buying Blake Wheeler out because his production had dropped off to a point where they couldn't afford having him around anymore. This is part of a culture change. And as much as it's sort of easy to maybe pin it on the former captain and say he was the guy that really needed to go. I am of the opinion that Mark Shifley is right there with Blake Wheeler. And I do think that we're not going to get to this new era of Jets hockey and kind of Jets 3.0, if you will, until Shifley is gone as well. I'm, I know Shevel Dayoff has said that, you know, they may possibly re-engage on an extension. I I can't see that happening. And again, that's just my personal opinion. I think there's enough people inside that room that realize that the change of scenery is probably best for all parties involved. Um, but there hasn't the market for, for Shifley just wasn't, I think, what was expected, Pat. I talked to a ton of people, insiders and the like, throughout uh, the uh, week in Nashville. And there was a couple things that came out. One, I think Shifley's um, reputation's taken a bit of a hit. I think he's seen by some as maybe a little bit of a me-first guy and not necessarily a great team player, and that has been a big part of the issues here in Winnipeg. Um, but that has scared off some teams. And the other is that that he's been playing on a very team-friendly contract. He's going into the final year yes. making $6.125 million. He fired his agent. He's got new representation. And the other side of that coin is that there is an understanding or at least a belief that Mark Shifley is going to be wanting a massive contract extension for wherever he uh, wherever he signs with. And I don't think there's a lot of teams that have the appetite for that. If he does go somewhere, I think it's going to be on somewhat of a prove-it year, um, and he's going to have a lot, to, a lot to play for this season. But as it pertains to Winnipeg, I mean, if people thought that this guy was sort of putting himself ahead of the team and was somewhat of a selfish player last year. What's he going to be like when his next contract is depending on it? I mean, to me, I think a divorce or a breakup is in the cards and it makes the most sense. But I do understand why the deal hasn't happened as of yet because I don't think there's been anything close to the offer that the Jets got for Dubois for Mark Shifley. And, um, I mean, it does – listen, there's a massive hole in this lineup if Shifley's not here. Uh, he scored 42 goals last year. He had six mm-hmm. straight point-of-game seasons before that. So it is a bit of a predicament, but very different. I think the team's sort of being forced into considering moving on without Ellie. And I do think there's an internal 
um, want to maybe change things up and move on from Mark Scheifele, but the market just hasn't been there. So do you think that there, we're talking to Hustler, Andrew Patterson's with us from Winnipeg Sports Talk, talking a little Jets, another team that is going through a ton of transition with their roster. Do you think Sheffield Dayoff is okay going into next season with both Shifley and Hellebuck on the roster? And do you worry about a situation where maybe the Jets are competitive again and they're at the deadline and they're fighting for a playoff spot or fighting for a division or whatever the case may be, like they were before that plummet in the final third of last season? Like, Do you worry about that being a factor here? Um, well, to answer the second question, yes. Um, I do think. <laughs> Think. I okay. mean, they, they, what they've been saying all along is that they don't want a big rebuild. I mean, they haven't been looking to take massive steps back. And that's not easy to do when you're talking about potentially trading a Vesna winning goaltender in your top two centers. Um, but as far as is he prepared or willing to run it back with both of those players in the lineup, he publicly suggested that that is a possibility earlier this week. I'm not sure if you pump the truth serum in him off the, uh, off the record, whether that is the case. But again, I think they're realizing that because of the market, that's a possibility. I think publicly they have to, uh, they have to sort of play it, it out that way. And to be honest, I mean, the Shifley, Hellebuck's sort of on his own because the goaltending market's very different than everything happening For sure. forwards. The, Shifley's situation, I think, in a lot of ways could be tied in with Elias Lindholm. I mean, the fact of the matter is right now the Boston Bruins could potentially be without both Krejci and Bergeron in at the center position, which mm-hmm. for a team that was so incredible last year would be, uh, you know, a, a massive, massive losses. And we've heard that they're proceeding as if that is the case. Um, I think any team looking at both players and what they bring to the table in both ends in a full 200-foot game, would prefer Elias Lindholm. But if Elias Lindholm is not part of the options for a team that is desperate for center help, I think Mark Scheifele is a pretty damn good option on a prove-it-one-year deal. And a relatively easy-to-handle 6.125 cap hit. So I do think that this is going to be something that we certainly talk about a lot more this year, but I have a feeling that the next couple weeks, things are going to be a little quieter. And then we're going to see a little bit more about, in particular, what Boston does. And if there's any other teams that feel that they do need to really significantly upgrade their center ice position heading in. And uh, I think the calls are going to be made to Alberta and Manitoba first by NHL GMs. Probably as they should. Okay, last question for you. What did Jets fans want? You know, because it's it's I, I I wonder how similar the conversations are in your market as they are here. In that, you, you heard Shevel Dayoff said they, they don't want to be taking big steps back, and and here I don't think they want to be taking big steps back. What did Jets fans want? Did they want a rebuild? Do they want uh do they want them to to maybe go in a restart direction? I'm just curious as to what the temperature is from those that are are watching as opposed to what the actual team is going to do. You know, I I'd say it's sort of mixed. I mean, yeah, there's some that are like, "Oh, blow it up, you know, trade everybody and, you know, go scorched earth." That was never an option. I mean, the, Teams in, you know, you've got the Chicago Blackhawks, you've got the Coyotes in the Central Division. 
Um, and frankly, even if you take out Dubois and Shifley and Hellebuck, there's still a lot of really good hockey players on this team. I mean, to actually get down where you're contending for the number one pick in the draft would take so much. Um, it, it's frankly not realistic. But it all depends on what you consider a rebuild or a retool. I will tell you that there's been incredible appetite for change. Um, the Jets, for a number of reasons, have been one of the teams, maybe more so than any, that's had the most consistent lineup for a number of years. I mean, Mark Schleifer was the first player they drafted in 2011. Um, Blake Wheeler had been here since the team came in 2011 with the Atlanta Thrashers. Um, it was time. It was very clearly time for a culture change. Um, and, you know, at first everyone wanted to blame Paul Maurice. Well, Paul Maurice left and then Dave Lowry left and Rick Bonus came in and Rick Bonus did incredible work for the first half of the season to get this team in first place in the Western Conference. And then a lot of the old problems resurfaced. And uh, that's, I'm telling you right now, that's the reason why Blake Wheeler was bought out and is now on the New York Rangers. And the reason why the Winnipeg Jets are entertaining or talking about trading Mark Scheifele. The guy scored 42 last year. I mean, this is not a, not a guy that hasn't been pulling his weight offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, but the team dynamic and the team itself just has not been working. And, I mean, we saw Bones lose it on a number of occasions at the end of last season. I mean, dismayed with the performances and the commitment of some of his top players. We all know who he was talking about. Yep. And even after he erupted like Mount St. Helens after their loss in game five to the Vegas Golden Knights, Mark Scheifele wasn't playing in that game. And he made very clear to everyone by mentioning what had happened in the last couple of months as well, that he was talking about some guys that weren't in the lineup as well. So, um, you know, I really do think they need to turn the leadership over to a couple of Alberta guys and Adam Lowry and Josh Morrissey is the real leaders on this team. Um, they need to uh, have a little bit more oxygen in the room for guys like Alex Iafalo and Gabriel Velarde coming over from Los Angeles Kings. But Nikolai Ehlers take a bit more of a leadership role. And there is an element of some addition by subtraction, but also get everybody on the same page, pulling in the same direction for the same cause. And uh, I think with one specific move being made, that will be something that the Jets can get closer to. So for the fans, like always, they're somewhat mixed, but there's not very many fans around here that went into the offseason that didn't think there was some major surgery needed to this roster. It's already started. It remains to be seen how much more will happen before we get to training camp. Good stuff, Huss. Good to catch up with you, my guy. We will uh, talk to you again soon. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us, giving a little uh, insight from Manitoba. Be, uh, Be well. Enjoy the rest of your week, hey? Hey, Pat, uh, just I know it's Flames talk, but uh, any thoughts on this football game tomorrow night? What should we expect from the Stampeders coming into the pick? I mean, I think it's I think it's going to be I think it's going uh, to be competitive. I think that's a Stamps team that's going to be dialed uh, dialed in. They have not liked the way they've started. Jake Mayer hasn't liked the way that he started. They've got Mark and Michelle back in the lineup for the first time in four years, and Reggie Bagleton back after missing some time. Uh, I, I think they're going to be motivated. So I'm I'm looking at that as uh, I think that's a one score game. I think the Bombers should be favored at home, and I think the Bombers want to be a little bit better at home. Uh, compared to their last home game against BC. But I think it's going to be close. I think that'll be – I think it's going to be the best version of the Stamps that we've seen early on this season. I, I think they'll be better than any of their three prior games so far. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that, actually. I'm curious to see how it plays out. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, I mean, it was 
crazy. That BC game, I mean, the Bombers hadn't lost at home to a Western opponent since 2018, which is just a mind-blowing stat. Um, but I do think, I mean, the, the, the Stamps have always really been the measuring stick for Winnipeg, and uh, obviously they haven't had a great start. They could easily be 2-1 and one after that OT game, so uh, I'm sort of with you. I think we'll have a dandy tomorrow night. I'm looking forward to it. But uh, anyways, Val, great to catch up. Great to see you down in Music City, and uh, you be well. Have a great summer. Hit me up anytime. You know it. Thanks, Huss. Uh, Andrew Patterson, hustler from Winnipeg Sports Talk in Winnipeg, joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Barcast Hotline. 15-time Consumer Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. As we start to wrap up this hour of the program, it was good to have Wes Gilbertson back on uh, Flames Talk. Uh, it will, will, he'll be back with us on Friday. It's, it, it's been too long. I think you barely worked in June. So it was good to have you back. It was good to be back buddy looking forward to throwing it around some more tomorrow he's uh wes gilbertson on twitter at wes gilbertson my name is pat steinberg for taylor for cam for ben for callum back at our sportsnet 960 world control thanks for uh keeping the show on the rails as we've been down here at Windsport, and this has been the sports drive brought to you by calgary lock and safe ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe even through employee turnover visit calgarylockandsafe.com